Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Drone Life News. My name is Paul, and joining me as always, you might know her as the editor-in-chief of Drone Life, but I know her as the drone mom. Miriam, how are you? (laughs) I love that. I am feeling much better. For those of you who have noticed, we haven't done this in a long while. Uh, Unfortunately, I did get that nasty, nasty uh, COVID thing, but I am feeling much better. So ready to talk about the news. There's been a lot happening since we last spoke. There has, Miriam, and I will just say I'm very happy to see you back uh, myself. And, uh, you know, for everyone watching, there were multiple weeks we didn't have those shows because uh, COVID kind of hit us in dominoes, hit me, and then hit Miriam. We're 3,000 miles apart, so, uh, you know, it just it seems like it got everyone. But um, but that said, Miriam, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you are back and you are in good spirits because uh, COVID... Whew, it's uh, can hit you hard. It really can. Um, but that said, getting into the news, uh, there's obviously a lot of heavy hitting news, like you mentioned, that has come out since we've been gone. But before we get to those kind of shell shockers, uh, let's get back into BVLOS. You know, Miriam, BVLOS has really become one of these primary kind of goals for businesses to really accelerate the industrial revolution to accelerate, you know, online buying and last mile delivery. Well, it seems like the FAA states that we might actually have a systematic approach to BVLOS waivers. I just hope they actually remove the need to have a CFI rated manned drone pilot to actually fly said BVLOS flights because otherwise it's completely useless. But that's my two cents. Miriam, what's the story? (laughs) So we will see what's happening. Um, Yeah, so since we've been gone over the last month or so, I've gotten a lot of news across my desk on people receiving BVLOS waivers. And that's companies like uh, Census, Fixed Wing down in Florida. You know, they have a 100% track record getting BVLOS. They've designed their aircraft for BVLOS flight. Iris Automation with their detect and avoid uh, technology, working with City of Reno Police Department, a lot of other companies achieving these BVLOS flight uh, waivers. Now, for the first time I saw in FAA communication that they expected to release information about the BVLOS ruling in a couple of weeks. And that was um, as they were sort of announcing another event. So really exciting stuff. I know that the uh, BVLOS ARC, that's the uh, Advisory Rulemaking Committee, I think it's called, it has delivered its findings. So that's people from the industry who put together their findings and their opinions about what should happen and pass that along to the FAA so that they can work in collaboration on this rulemaking. So very exciting stuff for the industry. And I think that it's really important to let people know sort of why that's uh, critical. And most people do think of delivery. Absolutely. You know, it would be nice if if you could do drone delivery beyond a sort of, you know, very short radius. However, it's really a critical stepping stone 
for a couple of major advances in the industry. And the first being sort of what I would call total automation or or humanless drone operation. So if you have something like a mining site, which has to be monitored for a certain number of years after it has already ceased operation, you can then put something like an unmanned system, you know, kind of a drone in the box solution, which charges and launches itself. Uh, they have those with, you know, climate control, you name it. They are designed to be set and forget like your crock pot for, you know, a long, long time. And you can have someone several hundred miles away or across the world operating that system and viewing that footage and monitoring that site. And that is a kind of, you know, critical operation for many industrial uses that's pilotless. I I don't know what you call that. (laughs) Totally automated flight and BVLOS is a stepping stone for that. BVLOS is also a stepping stone towards um, passenger drones. You know, I think that we are many, many years away from seeing a truly unmanned passenger drone, but BVLOS flight is certainly a critical stepping stone for that. So yes, delivery and and for myself, when I think BBLOS flight, I think about some of the more critical delivery applications. Uh, you know, if you have an accident 100 miles away and somebody needs a heart, uh, you can do that kind of organ transportation very quickly with a drone. It can be kind of immediate. You can um, facilitate those sort of life-saving things. Cargo delivery, if you're out on a pipeline and you need on-demand access to a part, those things are are just have so much benefit for industry and for communities. So. We are really anxious to see what comes out of that. We'll certainly be reporting on it uh, at Drone Life. I'm sure you'll be talking about it, too. Honestly, Miriam, totally unrelated. I have to say, when you mentioned the Reno Police Department, I just have this vision of Officer Dangle flying a Skydio right into the strip club, you know? <laughs> so, I, sorry, Reno PD, but I couldn't help myself. Uh, so. Search and Rescue is, I believe, the first um, way that they're using this. <laughs> Search and Rescue. I hear that they get super short shorts with uh, drone deliveries uh, upon purchasing them. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but in, in a serious note, you know, I, I think having a, a network of um, self-deployable drones, right? Uh, you know, drones in a box like you had mentioned. Oh, that's such a good term for it. Self-deployable drones. Okay. Well, I mean, you, you think about it, right? Because if you're driving down the highway and you're between big cities and there's not a lot of infrastructure... <laughs> Having a, a medical drone or a firefighting based drone could be life saving. And, you know, having a network of those could revolutionize the way that we go about infrastructure in this country. So, on a serious note, I, I agree that there are so many verticals for BVLOS, which is also why I think it's so important that there should not be a need for a CFI rated pilot. I think that that is old FAA trying to creep in and say, um, we don't quite trust drone pilots yet. We want to see people with IFR ratings doing this, et cetera. And uh, I just think it's completely unnecessary as the NTSB has proven again and again that drone pilots are the safest class of pilots 
ever to have existed. So, you know, we make general aviation look like a joke. And, uh, and that's something to be proud of, you know, having a good safety record. So that said, in regards to traditional manned aviation, it seems like the FAA has made quite a major announcement, Miriam, as FAA Administrator Steve Dixon is stepping down from his position. Wow. Miriam, do you think that this has anything to do with, you know, Boeing at all or, you know, a lot of the drone stuff going on? It kind of seems like he just really wasn't involved with drone stuff. It was like a fly. He was trying to swat away. But what's going on here? Yeah, so this isn't um, super new news, but we're saying it here for anybody who hasn't heard because it is a very significant piece of news for the drone industry. Uh, the FAA administrator, um, you know, has has a lot of power uh, over the, the commercial drone industry. So Steve Dixon was appointed in 2019. He is leaving his post early. Uh, it is a five-year presidential appointment. Um, FAA administrators are appointed by the president with input from the Senate. And in his resignation statement, he says that he is uh, going back to Georgia to spend more time uh, with his family, that he feels that it's time to step down. Paul, I, I don't have a guess as to, you know, why he chose to end uh, his tenure as FAA administrator. Certainly, uh, Steve Dixon, for those of you who don't know, came out of the manned airline industry. He was a Delta executive uh, for many years. Very, very well-known person in the aerospace industry. And he came on and was faced immediately with the Boeing problem. And that was a very significant problem. I mean, it wasn't only that the planes failed, it was kind of a, a, a crisis of conscience um, for uh, airspace authorities to say, you know, was the fox watching the hen house here and, and were we doing things appropriately and, and how do we fix this to make sure that it doesn't happen again? And so he was faced immediately with that, of course, right after that, the pandemic hit. And then he was faced with sort of the devastation um, initially in manned aircraft. There was not much uh, travel and planes had to be half full, as, as, as those of us um, who were frequent flyers remember. And, uh, you know, I think that the airline industry hasn't recovered from that. So if I were to guess, I would say that those huge problems um, played a much bigger part in in the job over the last few years than drone integration did. Uh, I don't know. So the next thing that I think is really important to talk about is who's coming up next. Before you go there, though, I, I have a question for you because I'm curious um, – is it safe to assume that the Boeing issue fell in his lap? Because it's my understanding with the Boeing issue that the FAA allowed Boeing to self-certify their aircraft, specifically the 737 MAX. And that's also my knowledge that the CEO of Boeing 
was very focused on stock buybacks and reducing COGS or cost of goods sold across Boeing because with reduced costs, that's we call the bottom line in earnings and whatnot in the street, uh, you know, you essentially push your stock price up. And his executive pay was literally tied to stock level. So you mix lowering COGS with stock buyback and you get higher stock prices. Um, and when the FAA allowed Boeing to self-certify their aircraft, I mean, it was even it was even investigated later on, and they found out, or the FAA found out, that the issue with the aircraft through the MCAS sensors, number one, the 737 MAX was one of the first planes that didn't have a redundancy in those sensors, and number two, there was nothing in the instruction or operating manual regarding the MCAS system and how to shut it off in the case of an emergency. Do you think that all of these issues had kind of built up within the FAA and then Steve was in charge and that kind of like he just had to deal with it and now he's the uh, the scapegoat, the fall guy? Or do you feel like there was maybe a little bit more influence by Steve based kind of on the timeline? I don't know. You know, here's where I just stop pretending that I know more than you on this issue because I obviously don't. <laughs> You lost me at Cogs, but <laughs> no, but the crash happened before he was named okay. FAA administrator. So I think that he was absolutely tasked with, you need to fix this. Um, this is a huge sort of scandal and, and you're going to need to deal with it. So, you know, I think that all of those things, I flew in a 737 Max uh, just a little while ago. <sighs> <laughs> I'm here to tell the tale. Um, but yeah, so I think that the focus was definitely on the manned aircraft industry uh, during his tenure. And hopefully uh, we don't have another huge crisis coming up and uh, the next next person in line can put a little more focus on on the commercial drone industry. We'll see. I have a feeling there's going to be some big news that drops here in the next few months that's going to layer on to this, these issues that he had to deal with. But in an effort to get to your point, because I know you're itching to talk about who's teed up for this position and you have very, really good points. But, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people may remember uh, Mr. Sullenberg from the movie Sully and how he saved uh, uh, I can't remember what airplane it was, but essentially they had dual engine failure and the plane landed in the Hudson because they couldn't make it back to um, the airport. And then he was literally investigated. And in the simulations, everyone was convinced that he could have made it back to the airport. But then when they reran those simulations with the right data, they figured out he could have never made it and he saved all of their lives. Now that might be a a heart-wrenching story that forces a lot of people to have empathy for Sully. But Miriam, I think you make a you're about to make a good point as to why Sully may not be the best um, representative for the drone industry as the FAA administrator. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there is no questioning. He is a hero. He he's you know he's a great pilot. And actually, when Drone Life first started, I think that happened in like 2014 or 2015. And at the time, our our publisher Alan um, 
Phillips wrote an article about why Sully should be the next, you know, FAA administrator because he was such a hero. And that's absolutely true. And I and I make no disparaging remarks about that. It's it's simply that from the perspective of the drone industry, when you have people heavily invested in the manned aircraft industry, coming in maybe um, with years and years and years of perspective as a pilot where you are looking to minimize the slightest risk of anything around you, you may not be as open-minded to the benefits of commercial drones. That's not everybody, but certainly Mr. Sullenberger has said some things in the past that have indicated he is not necessarily in favor of having a lot of drones in the air at the same time. Perhaps he has changed his mind. I certainly hope so. But, um, you know, as you come in with sort of veterans heavily and solely focused on the manned aircraft industry, it may be more difficult for the drone industry to kind of step up and say, hey, you know, we're here too now. Uh, we are part of this equation. We're part of this aerospace uh, environment. We are part of the airspace and at some point may actually be a larger part of the airspace. And so, you know, it kind of behooves us all to um, – dive in and figure out what we can do to to integrate drones safely and completely so that everybody knows where everybody is uh, in the airspace. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Do we have any word or any rumors or speculation as to any other potential nominees? Because this is a presidentially, I didn't say that well, presidentially appointed (laughs) position. Yes, yes. This is a position appointed by the president with input from the Senate. Um, That's the only name I've seen kind of thrown out there. So we'll see uh, who comes up. As you and I discussed in pre-show, I have a lot of time for Michael Huerta. I always did. I felt that over time, he really put in the effort to try and understand the drone industry. Like it or loathe it, he really moved the ball forward. He's the one who introduced the concept of the advisory rulemaking committees and the DAC, um, the drone advisory committee. So he, he really did start the ball rolling on Introducing this concept that the drone industry and the FAA should collaborate. And so you may not always be happy with the details of how that worked out, but he presented the concept that the drone industry should be at the table. And that's um, been huge. It really has. I think um, people forget that, that 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 was not something that existed forever. That was not, um, you know, something that was previously part of the, the FAA. So I think he really did a great job in getting us started on the need for collaboration, you know, if you're going to ask for advice, if you're going to publish rules about drones, you need drone experts at the table to advise on that. That is definitely progress. And I hope with the next administrator, we see somebody who is open-minded and interested in hearing about all of the applications uh, that commercial drones offer because they are countless and they are beneficial. 
you know, they, they enhance safety, they enhance productivity. They, I, I'm preaching to the choir. You don't need me to say that, but I really hope that um, our next administrator recognizes that. Well, yeah. And I, I think that there are very real human benefits to being a drone pilot too. You know, being out in nature, being outside, getting lots of vitamin D, exercising, having something new, uh, you know, new challenges to push yourself creatively and technically, that's, that's one of the main reasons I love being a drone pilot myself and even why I still sneak away from DroneU to do actual drone jobs. I just can't live without it. It's like blood running through my veins. But you bring up a really good point about Huerta. And, I, I, you know, I was a uh, critic of Huerta because of the choices of the people who were made on the DAC and whatnot. But coming from your perspective, I couldn't agree more that having someone like Huerta who actually invited people to the table. We might not have liked who they were initially, but that's evolved. Um, he did have voices actually at the table and he did invite that communication. And we really have not seen that since. Um, I can't remember if his name properly, so forgive me. I wanna say Dan Ewell or UL or something like that. And I remember a comment that he made during the symposium one time and uh, I was very taken aback by that comment. And, you know, in regards to Steve Dixon, you know, both of them have kind of pushed drones to the side almost as if it's an afterthought. And so I couldn't agree with you more that someone like Huerta at least was open, wanted that communication, you know, really tried to do a lot to make that happen. And I do hope that we see an FAA administrator come in who's balanced and has a genuine interest in not only, you know, um, commercial aviation, but general aviation and unmanned aviation, because Miriam, we have a lot of problems to solve. If we're going to have drone delivery, if we're going to have urban air mobility, if we're going to have, you know, Uber taxis that are autonomous or autonomy in general, you know, um, there are a lot of very complex problems to solve. And in order to continue being the leader uh, in technology, as far as the United States is concerned, we have to have someone who is objective, data-driven, and is able to also be intuitive, meaning that they have real-life experience flying drones, real-life experience flying you know, manned aviation, general aviation, etc. I mean, I really think that the FAA could really use that right now because with everything that happened with Boeing, you know, Boeing's lost a lot of credibility. The FAA has lost a whole lot of credibility. Um, you know, we're about to see what happens with this federal decision on remote ID, which could completely erode the, the FAA's uh, credibility when it comes to drones. And so, you know, it, it makes me wonder, you know, oftentimes, Miriam, I sit here and I want to whine and complain about all the problems of the world without kind of providing solutions. So I, I bring this up to say, okay, well, what would it actually look like to have an effective and objective FAA administrator? Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, my interactions with the FAA have always been uh, positive, very professional, um, very positive. But I do feel that the people that I know who are working on um, drone integration I do feel that they're a little under resourced, you know, that we could we could use a few more people working on this really, really big 
problem. And I think the other thing that has happened, too, is that we have seen a lot of political pressure and a lot of pressure from the defense um community. So I think when the FAA has tried to drive something forward, sometimes um, there have been other departments and, you know, Department of Justice, Department of Defense who have said, wait a minute, we want to slow down a little bit here and take another look because we're concerned about how drones can impact our national security. Um you know, hopefully we might have somebody who was able to really effectively work with all of those stakeholders and say, listen, you know, we need to deal with the security concerns and whatever other concerns there are in a constructive way that still allows the industry and the rulemaking to go forward. I couldn't agree I'm more. not sure if that's possible or if that's pie in the sky, but that would certainly be um, – it will really take a Superman to get this, get this done, a superhero, I will say. <laughs> I wonder if having like a Boeing engineer run the FAA would be good because they're data-driven. They're very you know solution-oriented. They kind of you know have the blinders on and ignore all the politics, and I feel like – now more than ever, we need that. But um, it'll be interesting to see how things play out here, Miriam. And again, um, you know, for future stories, we're definitely waiting to hear what happens, you know, with remote ID. We are waiting to hear uh, on some other uh, issues regarding the drone industry, because that particular, you know, the remote ID issue in itself could be kind of a domino effect on a lot of other policies and regulations that have been put into place. So, I will say that um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this all turns out. I mean, if you think about it, Miriam, it could even change some of the questions on the Part 107 test because I'm not sure why the FAA added questions on remote ID for the 107 test, but they have already done that. And we're talking about regulations that are not even applicable yet. And so, you know, for everyone who has put out content on, uh, you know, ad adhering to those rules, it could really kind of take everyone back uh, a little bit. I mean, I think that there's going to be numerous ramifications across all sorts of verticals. But, you know, Miriam, I just want to say thank you again for doing this show with me. I've missed doing it with you. I'm really happy that you're back. Sorry for our audience who uh, we've been kind of inconsistent <laughs> this year. So sorry, guys. Um, but that said, I'm very, very happy to see you back. And uh, I have to say, I absolutely cherish those glasses that you're wearing. They're pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Thanks again. Awesome, Miriam. Thank you again. And thank you for everyone joining us here today. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and let us know what you think about some of these topics that we have touched. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks again for listening to Drone Life News. <laughs>